We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is a freaking freezing hump day, home and home. 240 million people at or below freezing overnight. Good day to be inside listening to radio.com home and home is a radio.com sports original home and home check it out we're brought to you by zip recruiter check them out zip slash enter zip recruiter is without a doubt the smartest way to hire a lot of news one of the biggest upsets in the history of college sports last night on the hardwood wow what an incredible upset <laughs> by evansville We'll talk about that a bit. The new college football playoff rankings are out. What about Bama? Do they have the inside track at staying in the playoffs and finding their way in despite that loss to LSU on their home field? And Colin Kaepernick, could he be back? We'll get to you, Houston Astros, you cheaters. 8.30 a.m., though, Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, breaks down the top QB grades. And what could he expect from Colin Kaepernick should he get Another shot. 9.30, Frank Garcia, former NFL offensive lineman, now works at WFNZ in Charlotte, North Carolina. What's the future of Cam Newton? Speaking of older, mobile quarterbacks. And then you don't want to miss the 10 o'clock hour because a guy that has way too much time on his hands on Reddit discovered that James Harden's road struggles might have something to do with, no, not defense or coaching, Quality of strip clubs. There's a correlation. There's a stat for that. I'm Dave Briggs, home in freezing Connecticut. Ross Tucker, home in freezing Pennsylvania. Lot to get to, Ross. I can't wait to talk cap, but I have to show you something else I saw on Reddit. And I want your reaction. Put yourself on an airplane in a middle or aisle seat, whatever you like. Could be a window. And then you see this photo right above your head, over your seat. You see bare feet, not even clean bare feet. That happened to someone flying on a domestic airline yesterday. Number one, what would you do if that happened? Number two, what is your biggest flight pet peeve? Because I bet you got a bunch. Good questions, Dave. Good morning. And yes, I don't care how cold it is. I am still wearing shorts underneath this desk right here. A little little tidbit there. A little I wear shorts. I wear shorts pretty much unless it's impossible. Like just not even fe- feasibly possible. I am rocking the shorts. Uh, although I'm inside right now, I don't know what I'm going to do when I actually have to venture outside. Uh, I would do one of two things. I would either take it, take the high road, and alert the flight attendant to do my dirty work for me and to tell the person behind me to put their bare feet down. Or I would stand up and say, that's really bothering me. Can you please stop that and put it down? I think I'd probably go the flight attendant route because if I started it and they responded in a way that I didn't enjoy, that's when... That's when legal trouble happens. That's when lawsuits happen. So I would try to take the conflict out of my hands and let the flight attendant deal with it. Because if I told the person to stop and they didn't stop, that would that would not be good for any of us. <laughs> I, I admire your discipline. I'm surprised at that. I would lose my mind. We are both hotheads here. on It's home and home hotheads because I, I would not react well to that. Don't like feet to begin with. On an airplane, we'd have words. If they're filthy feet, yeah, I'm probably getting kicked off that plane. Might get arrested. So you probably have the best course of action. We'll talk about flight pet peeves later on because there's a lot to get to there. I got a bunch of them, and I'm sure Ross does as well. Travels a lot more than I do. But there's some big news in the NFL. 
It's a trap. Admiral Akbar said it best. It's a trap. They have set a trap for 32-year-old Colin Kaepernick planning a private workout for the quarterback who hasn't played in almost three years. A Saturday workout in Atlanta. We don't know how many teams are going. We don't know what the situation is, but we do know this. The NFL told reporters first and then told Kaepernick's representatives yesterday. He only tweeted about it late last night. What happens on Saturday? Hmm. GMs and scouts go see 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. They don't go to too many pro days for 32-year-olds on Saturdays. Let's talk about it with our friend Jason Lockenfora. He's been all over this story. Jason, good to talk to you on a hump day, my friend Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. The NFL does a nice job of making me root for people I really don't want to root for. Antonio Brown and Colin Kaepernick. Is this a trap for Kaepernick that he has to, he has no choice but to step into it and take the bait? Yeah, I don't I don't know that it's it's a trap. Um it's certainly not a panacea. Um it's a step in the right direction. It's an olive branch, but it's an oddly timed, oddly structured olive branch. Um you know, we're almost three quarters of the way through the season. Uh, it came out of nowhere. Uh, it wasn't a real dialogue or much of a negotiation. It was, hey, yeah, uh, this is, you know, football operations, Park Avenue. Uh, Colin, want to work out in Atlanta on Saturday? Huh? Yeah, yeah. We'll invite all the teams, like, Saturday afternoon, Atlanta. Do it at the Falcons facility. They won't be there. It's all set up for you, yes or no? Well, Wait a minute, why Saturday? Like, most workouts are Tuesday. You think we might be able to do it on a Tuesday so that more people could get there and, like, the teams would have, I don't know, a full week? You know what I mean? They'd actually have more time logistically to, to, to sort of get their arms around it. Uh, yeah, no, this isn't a negotiation. Atlanta, Saturday. You going to be there? Uh, well, let's try to – can we try to track, our, you know, our client down? Sure, you got two hours. Huh? Yeah, you got two hours. Like, this is happening today <laughs> or it's not happening at all. Yeah. And so what are you going to say? Like, you, you, have to, you have to say yes, right? You, you have to uh, explore it, knowing that there are some caveats built in. But look, it, if, it, if it goes well and scouts report back to their GMs like, hey, he looked pretty good. I like the way he handled himself. Um, then maybe that gets up to an owner and maybe an owner says, hey, let's, let's bring him in privately. I want to have dinner with him, whatever. Um, let's see what he looks like in our facility. Maybe it's a conduit to that. Maybe it's a step towards that. Um, but it was certainly odd, and it certainly came out of nowhere. And it, you know, I mean, Kaepernick's people say they haven't talked to the league in like 12 months about anything like this. And then all of a sudden on a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., it's like, hey, yeah, we're going to send this personnel notice out as long as you're cool with it. And uh, here we are. Sorry, I got I got so much going on in this house, man. I'm ready to blow my brains out. Bring him in. Kaepernick. Bring him in. No, he's in. But there's painters, and I thought if I pulled these shades down, he wouldn't know what's going on. <whistles> copper, come here. Come on. Come here, Copper. Copper, get on come the here. show, Copper. We want yeah. you on the show. He's, he's, so, Jay, he's... here's my question, right, which yeah. is, I guess, twofold. Why now? And what is the NFL's motive here? Because I guess the three I can consider is some type of legal liability concerns or a PR move, or I guess the third one would be they just think it's the right thing to do out of the goodness and kindness of their heart. Uh, so why now and what's the motive? I, 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 the now, I, I don't know. Um, again, it is odd. I mean, we had what? Roethlisberger, Breeze, uh, Cam Newton by week two, week three, all were, were on the shelf, right? I mean, you could have done it then. Why wouldn't you do it before training camp, right? Or, or I mean, you could have made the case any time over the last – whatever, two years that, Hey, this is a unique circumstance. And Hey, you know, this guy might not be being treated like everybody else for reasons that aren't football related. So let's just try to put a workout out there and everybody can see it and then make their own determinations. And he's, his agents have called all these teams, you know, anytime a quarterback's been hurt, anytime they look like a quarterback need, they're calling saying, Hey, he'll meet you anywhere, anytime. If you don't want to do it at your facility, we could do it at a high school. 
You could come see him in New Jersey where he's, you know, at 5 a.m. every day throwing footballs. No one took them up on that. So I, I don't know why now, other than we're getting towards the end of another season. And if he's out for three plus years without getting a workout, then are we past the point of no return? And I think part of it was, I'll go back to the question I asked Roger Goodell in Atlanta when we're talking about the civil rights movement, you know, at the time of the Super Bowl and why Atlanta was such a special place to hold that game and how much they're doing with the Players Coalition and the guy who started it all, you know what I mean, is persona non grata. So I asked the commissioner, like, are, are do you have concerns about how history will look upon this, you know, whatever, four or five-year span of the NFL when it comes to issues of race relations, social justice, um, the things that this coalition with the owners are fighting for, yet Colin Kaepernick can't get a phone call return. And at that point, he said, hey, it's up to all 32 teams to run their business as they want, which is still the case. But for the NFL to do this is unprecedented. We can poo-poo it. We can talk about the timing. We can You can call it a trap. I get all that. But the reality is they've never done anything like this for anybody ever before. And I think it speaks to the reality that no one could ignore anymore, which was like when Nathan Peterman's getting five shots and this guy, nobody will even watch him throw a football in the middle of nowhere in the cloak of darkness. This this ain't about football. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the quarterback play we saw over the weekend, whether it's Finley or Driscoll or Hoyer or Trubisky, although he was good for one week. It's ridiculous. He's been talented enough to at least back up half the quarterbacks in this league. We've had now had 16 teams start their backup this year, more than all of last season. Bottom line here, Jason, is this the NFL washing their hands of the Colin Kaepernick issue saying, look, we gave him a shot. It's on to you, owners and GMs, and any reporting about who might actually show up on a Saturday? Um, I mean, look, I, I do think this is the NFL's way of reaching closure on this, that they can say, we facilitated this workout. We took unprecedented steps. We alerted every team. We sent out the notice. We got the location. We we put it all together. And, you know, we're, we obviously can't influence who shows or who doesn't. But we, we tried to create um, a mechanism for Colin Kaepernick to take steps back, walk back to the league. If the, if the, if any of these 32 owners are open to it, um, so yeah, I, I think from their perspective, it's like, hey, this is no longer a dangling participle or whatever. This is no longer something hanging over our heads. We did take some action. We did something we'd never done before, and the chips will fall where they may. Um, I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question? The second part was oh, who will go? Is there any teams yeah. that you expect I to show up? I mean, I think a lot of teams will be there that have a scout or somebody, you know, located in that area. Um, depending on timing, it, it could be possible that a college guy who was already going to attend a game within an hour or two of Atlanta, and there's a lot of schools, a lot of SEC schools that fit that bill, um, you know, that maybe they swing by in the morning and, and check this out. Um, but it is a Saturday, and it is this is very short notice. And the NFL – you know, everybody, they're creatures of habit and everybody knows where they're going and we've got our schedules and, you know, GMs are traveling with their teams or, you know, co quarterback coaches are going to be in meetings. It's the night before a game. A lot of teams, even home teams, stay at a hotel. So everybody's quarantined there and you can get your meeting work and everybody's close to one another. You can have, you know, you can you, you can get time with your quarterback or your wide receiver or whatever. So I don't know, guys. I mean, this literally came out of the blue late yesterday afternoon like I was texting a lot of people about it who work in front offices and they're like I haven't even seen the notice yet like what are you talking about so teams are going to need time to digest it you're going to have to figure out who can get there and who can't you know they're videotaping everything so you know some teams just might want to stream it but I, I would expect a good number to be there but I have no way to know right now and, and the teams are just sorting it out themselves Jason, I give him credit uh, for saying, all right, I'm in, I'm doing it, because that's exactly what he should do. I almost wonder if if it's an initial red flag that not only did he say he wanted on a Tuesday, which I guess I understand, but then he asked for a later Saturday. I mean, it's week 11 during the season. He's reportedly been working out five days a week for three for three years. I mean, you know the way it is, Jason. I think I had 10-plus workouts. Usually I got 24 hours notice. 
usually they call me Monday morning after somebody got hurt Sunday and I had to work out Tuesday morning. Like, is it a red flag or a concern at all that he asked for a later Saturday or is the fact that he's at least still showing up and doing it enough to mitigate that? Well, if it was a team that called, he would go anywhere, anytime. But first of all, you're trying to get your head around like, okay, I haven't heard anything about these guys in forever. Like, I'm not a part of their players' coalition. I'm not a part of anything that they've taken from the movement I've started. And then all of a sudden, randomly on a Tuesday, my agent gets a call saying, be in Atlanta in five days. So their question was, well, are we sure that this is real? Like, can we get a list of who's planning on attending, at least the teams, so we know? Because maybe it did at first feel like a trap, right, to go back to that. So, And then it's like, well, it wasn't so much that he needed more time. It's like, it's one thing if a team calls you and it's at their facility and nobody has to do anything other than instead of eating lunch, you know, bring their sandwich out to the field to watch them work out. It's very different to expect teams to incur their own expense, send somebody to a city where they wouldn't otherwise be to see a player who hasn't done, you know, hasn't done anything football related in terms of a team atmosphere for over three years. So no, I don't think it's a red flag from his standpoint, but I think if you're representing Colin Kaepernick and you literally get a random call from NFL football operations at 10 o'clock uh, on, a, on a Tuesday morning in week 11 that you would say, well, why? You know what I mean? Like, why, why just why, why Atlanta? Why this Saturday? You know, mm-hmm. um, why not find out what teams are interested and then find what fits their schedule better so that we can get in front of you know, an assistant GM, a pro personnel director, instead of, you know, an area college scout who just happens to be near Atlanta, who they say, well, you go do it and we can check that box. We had somebody there. So I I think it more speaks to that than it does him not being willing to do it. I mean, I've seen enough video of him at a field at, you know, 5 a.m. in the middle of nowhere in New Jersey. Like, it's more... Like, if we're going to do this, you know what I mean? Let's try to give everybody right. time to do it right, because this probably is my only shot, right? I mean, after this, I think we all would agree that the NFL is going to be like, hey, we, 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 we tried it, we did something we never did before, and where it goes, it goes. The current crop of owners don't seem interested. What about the future owner? Jason had some outstanding reporting that just made my Sunday that Jeff Bezos wants in, and the NFL owners are interested in having him in. Now, Amazon already dominates my house seven days a week with packages coming overnight on Prime, all sorts of crap me and my wife order. So why not dominate my Sunday with the Bezos-owned NFL team? How serious is this? It's pretty serious. Um, He's had a lot going on in his life the last five years, personally and professionally, but he's now at a point where he's he's kind of settling in the Washington, D.C. area. He's owned the Washington Post for a while now. You know, they've set up East Coast sort of hubs for Amazon. Uh, And he's been hobnobbing with a lot of owners. And he was in Roger Goodell's suite at the Super Bowl. And one thing that owners really like is guys who could buy and sell them. There's not many people on the planet who could say, name your price and then cut a check and match it. And it doesn't affect their bottom line at all. This guy is one of them. And what he has done in marketing branding. Um, obviously you, you talk, you can't go anywhere and, and not, you know, stumble into Amazon something plus what he's doing now. And, you know, with streaming and digital and breaking into, you know, sort of the broadcast arena, it, it's obviously a natural fit. So he's on a very short list of people who could get rubber stamped at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, should they want to buy an NFL team? Should the right team be for sale at the right time? Um, we'll see how that unfolds. There aren't, you know, teams being shopped right now. But there is a situation in Denver where there's, you know, a bunch of lawsuits from various heirs to Pat Boland's uh, fortune saying, hey, we're not comfortable with this John Elway, Joe Ellis trust. We're not comfortable with the league sort of handpicking the successor or who should be the managing partner of this football team. And we want out. And eventually those heirs may win out. And that team may have to be sold for, for various, you know, legal reasons. Um, you've got some some ownership groups that are mm. um, have been doing it a long time. And we've seen a lot of owners, you know, pass away in recent years. And that's just the reality when you're talking about people who are 80, 90 years old. You don't know about that. And then obviously Seattle with with Paul Allen passing away last year. And, and that team is kind of in limbo now. But in the next 18 months, um, that could come to the market, whether that's bound 
with the other sports franchises he owns as well, or whether they're sold a la carte, you know, the Seattle Seahawks at some point are going to have a new owner. Could it be Jeff Bezos? I'm, I don't know, you know, logistically, geographically, if that's, you know, if that's where he would he would want to own a team. But certainly, if he gets into a bidding war, not many people are going to be able to outbid him if he puts his mind to something. I don't think I like the idea of Bezos owning my Broncos. From what I understand, the type of businessman he is, so cutthroat, cut every corner he possibly can, want to pay employees the, the lowest possible salary. That doesn't sound like what you want from your NFL team. But I was going to ask you, is there the, the discussion about maybe a London team, maybe an expansion team, or is it about the current 32? They like that pie cut up in 32 pieces. You know, you start talking expansion. Now that revenue sharing, we're only getting one thirty third. We're only getting one thirty fourth. That's 32 is a good number for them. Uh, they, they, they don't want to cut anybody else in. It's all about flipping a market in your bottom three to five in terms of revenue generating and turning it into, in the case of London, what might become number one. Um, that mm. will be a relocation, though. That won't be expansion if it if it happens. Um, so no, I, I don't, th I don't see the, you know, London Amazons, uh, in, in the NFL's future, <laughs> uh, not unless a team, you know, not unless somebody moves there and then decides to sell it or whatever. Uh, but no, I, I think, look, anybody you talk to in the league about this for the last five years, not just right now, you talk about London, you talk about relocation, the conversation immediately goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars and if or when Shad Khan would ever make that move, but he's certainly the person uniquely positioned to do it should he opt at some point to want to. Jay, last question has absolutely nothing to do with the NFL, which is kind of crazy coming from me. But I know you're a baseball guy. I know you're an American League guy, the Orioles. The news coming out about the Astros having a camera, stealing signals, hitting the trash can or whatever to let them know if it was an off-speed pitch. Just kind of wanted to get your reaction. You know, I'm interested to see the the additional reporting. My my longtime buddy, Ken Rosenthal, who who broke me in when I was an intern uh, at the Baltimore Sun a long time ago, uh, along with Buster Olney. I came up with with, with covering baseball, and and those two guys, Buster and Kenny, were uh, were my mentors. So I, I always read their stuff religiously. And you know, from from reading the the original piece that Kenny had in the uh, in the Athletic, it seems like. While the Astros may have gone to lengths, other teams don't go, and and this was clearly over the top and uh, and pretty bad. I don't think they're the only ones employing something like this. So I'm interested to learn more about the scope of it. Um, and look, I'm an Orioles fan, and a lot of the guys they brought in are from the Astros organization. So I'm sure locally here at some point there'll be questions asked, uh, as well as to who knew what when and if this is the kind of practice that would go on with the Orioles, I think the league office is going to have to take it pretty seriously and step in to put new measures in place. Um, the, but Jason, it, it the, uh, the, the, the dog is making it a little tough to hear. So, yeah, so before we go, before we go, what does it say to you that Ross Tucker father, husband does not like dogs, does not own a pet. I too am a dog lover. Yeah. I'm an animal lover. So, I mean, to each their own. I, I, I was allergic to dogs like really bad as a kid, so we couldn't have one. But we found a little short-haired guy who uh, honestly is my best friend. Like, I work from home. It's like, we're inseparable. I think he thinks I'm his baby. Like, in the mornings, he, like, will try to lick my face clean and stuff like I'm a puppy, whatever. It's a unique bond. It's it's great. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it, it certainly enriched our family. But I, I, I can understand why people, you know, it's not for everybody, I guess. Really? No, I, yeah. I, Jason, I, I've already, I've already worked on starting a business. It's called rent a dog and you're able to get a dog once every three months to go to the park for an hour and throw a stick or a Frisbee, but you don't have to take care of them. You don't have to pick up their poop right. and they don't lick your face when you're trying to watch money. No, Night but it's, it's all good. Like if he stopped licking my face now, I'd be like, what's wrong? Like he must be sick. Like I'd immediately freak out and exactly. take him to the vet. Like, I don't know. Like, honestly, it, it is, I, I, I I love the hell out of this little dog. Like I I really do. I mean, our family wouldn't be the same without him. Um, I feel bad yeah, for Ross. I mean, if if you rented Copper, you would probably want to own him. You know what I mean? That's when the pro like once you rented a couple times, and especially the kids, 
good luck, you know what I mean, thinking you could rent to, to that own. Line hey, I'm and then okay go with back. that. Like rent to own. I'm okay with that. That well, yeah, I think that that's probably more to the point. That's probably how it would actually go down. Rent to own a dog. I feel sorry for Ross. He will never know the love that we have, the bond we have with man's best friend, Jason. What you know? He's a soulless, heartless, cold dude. You know, I don't know about all that, but he will (laughs) one day learn the folly of his ways. Check out Jason. Come down to Baltimore and hang with me in Copper sometime. It'll it'll change your life. We'll we'll change his ways. Awesome. Check out Jason's piece on CBSSports.com about Colin Kaepernick and how it all went down. Follow him at Jason Lockenfora on Twitter. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you. No, we're not going for a walk yet. <laughs> Goodbye to the dog as well. He is a key part of the show. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. So quickly, a a bit more on this uh, cheating allegations. It is pretty clear that the Houston Astros had a very elaborate system. If you not only read the athletic reporting, but you see some evidence on YouTube, uh, there's a a channel called John Boy Media, which actually broke down the very at bat that a former White Sox pitcher is talking about in this article. You hear a loud banging noise when it's going to be an off-speed pitch to then batter Evan Gaddis, either a breaking ball or a changeup. You don't hear that same banging noise when it was a fastball. The evidence is very clear. They won the World Series in 2017. Major League Baseball has to hit them hard. We'll talk about this a lot more later, but do you agree they have to come down hard financially and in terms of draft picks? Yeah, I think it's horrible. I really, I, I, I despise cheating. Uh, you know, there are people that work so hard to be in their the positions they're in, and who knows if they would have won the World Series or not without this, which is clearly cheating. There's no debating. I do think Jason made a good point. I am interested to hear. Perhaps you know, maybe this goes on other places, but. They were obviously cheating. I mean, to get four people on the record to say, yeah, here's what we did. Here's how it worked. I'm actually curious from a former player's perspective what the reaction will be uh, of the athletics pitcher. Uh, Is it Spears? Spires? I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Fires. Yeah, Mike Fires. Yeah, yeah, Fires. That went on the record with this. I just wonder what what the uh, reaction will be of his peers to go on the record. Maybe a bunch of guys will be like, good for you, man. I'm glad you actually stepped up and called those you-know-what's out. But then what about the guys that were on that team and that also got World Series rings? It's a very, very, very interesting dynamic. And I feel like some lawyers will be involved. And maybe those are the type of lawyers that were hired via ZipRecruiter. Because hiring can be a slow process. Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. 
That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. The man we've hired to break down NFL grades, Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus, answers some key questions after a quick break, including what if we say Colin Kaepernick is the same quarterback now that last left off in the 2016 season? Would that merit him a job in the NFL? And what is the Achilles heel of the Kansas City Chiefs? Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus, after a quick break here on Home and Home. So Colin Kaepernick has a private workout all 32 NFL teams invited. Interviews are optional afterward. It'll happen in the Atlanta area on a Saturday when GMs and scouts are all scouting young 19, 20, 21-year-old kids. Instead, maybe they'll take a diversion to watch a 32-year-old quarterback. How would Colin Kaepernick fare today if he remains the QB that we last saw in 2016. Let's talk about it with Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Sam, good to see you. Dave Briggs, Ross Tucker. So when we last saw Colin Kaepernick, uh, 2016 season, he was a 61.9 grade. That translates to about 29 or 30 in today's game. If he's the same quarterback that last left us without three years of action at 32 does he merit a job in today's NFL? I think he definitely merits a job. It's probably not a starting job, um, but you know, there's a lot more than just 32 starting quarterbacks in today's NFL and a lot more opportunities to start than those 32 jobs as well because guys go down hurt. You know, we've seen that this year already. A lot of these starting quarterbacks have gone down and teams have been forced into their bench. It's actually interesting because you know, the, the last season of his full-time play, Kaepernick's statistics were fantastic. You know, the touchdown to interception ratio, that kind of thing. But as you said, his PFF grade was not nearly as good. And, you know, a lot of the times PFF grade matches up with those statistics and they do tell an accurate story, but sometimes they don't. Sometimes those box score numbers do not paint an accurate reflection of a guy's play. And when you go through and you grade every single pass throw by throw, you end up in a slightly different area. Sometimes it's a better grade than the stats. Sometimes it's a worse one. And his final season, Kaepernick's was definitely a worse grade than the overall stats. But yeah, I think he definitely has a place in the NFL on merit. It's just a question of where exactly that lands. Here's and here's my question, Sam, as a follow-up. You know, I think the Ravens are as good as any team in football right now. Love what they're doing with Lamar Jackson. And, you know, they just signed a couple of D tackles yesterday to make sure they're covered in that spot for a playoff extended run. Who do you think would be a better fit in Greg Roman's offense, what they're running right now, Colin Kaepernick or RG3? I think there's a very real case that Kaepernick would be. Um, it's difficult to know what three years out of the game does to him in terms of what he's able to do right now. You know, we saw... A guy like Teddy Bridgewater took a while, a couple of games to shake off the rust. And he'd been around the game. He just hadn't been starting for that period. So that's the great unknown with Kaepernick. But we've already seen him execute this Greg Roman kind of offense, you know, under Greg Roman. So he's got experience with that coach. He's run this kind of system before. I think he has the skill set to do extremely well within it. So, yeah, I think there's a very real chance that Kaepernick would be a good bet in this system. You know, it's only one play and it was a weird sort of triple option pitch, but RG3 is clearly not the athlete that he used to be. This was a guy with, you know, legitimate sprinting, hurdling kind of um, background. And when he got pitched the ball by Lamar Jackson the other day, it was, it was like going from a superior athlete to an inferior one. He just didn't look the same kind of threat. So, yeah, I think that's a very real discussion that the Ravens might be having. Speaking of Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore Heisman uh, package we saw, let, tell us what you saw on the tape uh, with Lamar Jackson. Uh, we obviously focus on the 47-yard 
spin move, ridiculous highlight, real Michael Vick type of play. As a passer, where has he improved? What are you seeing on the tape thus far this year? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously of no surprise that Lamar Jackson is incredible on the ground. The Ravens are using him on the ground more than any other quarterback by a distance. He's got almost double the number of carries on designed runs that the next highest quarterback has. But where he's really excelled this year is as a passer. Um, You know, last season, he was not accurate at all. It was one of his weaknesses. It was a kind of a weakness in his college game as well. And the big question mark with how good he could be was how much he could improve that. Um, And his running opens up an awful lot of those passing windows because teams have to focus on things that they don't have to focus on for other quarterbacks. So he helps himself by being such a dynamic rushing threat. And this year he's taking advantage of that. He's able to be a much more efficient passer. He's able to hit those open throws that are being created by the threat that he poses on the ground. And, you know, he's become, he's not one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL, but he's become far more accurate than he was a season ago. It's definitely, it's not a notable deficiency or problem anymore. It's something that he's doing at a level that these other quarterbacks are as well. And he has that rushing threat that obviously still remains. So here's my follow-up to that, Sam. I'm so impressed when I watch the Ravens, both Lamar Jackson and their scheme. And I know the two go hand in hand, and I know you can't separate and blah, 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 blah. But when you watch the Ravens offense, are you more in awe of what they're doing schematically or more in awe of Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I mean... Look, we always said all the way along through this draft process that there was a path to NFL success for Lamar Jackson. It just didn't look like the path for any of these other quarterbacks. It was going to need to be something unique to him because his skill set is so unique. And he wound up in the perfect system for that to happen. Greg Roman has done this kind of thing before with quarterbacks like Tyra Taylor, with Colin Kaepernick before, guys that do have certain deficiencies as a passer, but make up for it by having a devastating skill set when it comes to athleticism, when it comes to what they can do, plus their arm. You know, all of these guys have had good arms and been more than capable of making some big time throws. So, look, Lamar Jackson is a phenomenal athlete. He's making crazy plays. He's also making some big time throws. But you have to appreciate what that offense has done for him and how um, you have to give them the credit for creating the thing in the first place. They basically kept Joe Flacco as a starter for the first half of last year while they built this thing off in a back room somewhere and devised this Lamar Jackson offense. Then ultimately they make the switch over and now you're seeing exactly what it could be. Talking to Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Check them out. Just 10 bucks a month. Nobody breaks down the game better. Uh, I was tough earlier this week on Kyle Allen. Ross didn't like it. I, I said he reminds me of the girl that I dated for six months, eight months back in college. And I, she checked all the boxes, man. She was nice. She was cute. She was athletic and fun and all that. But she was never going to get a ring. She was just never going to get it. So you just had to end it. I just don't fall in love with Kyle Allen. Do you on the tape, where does he grade? Yeah, I mean, his grades have not been great. Really, the first start he had was the best grade we've seen from him. And he hasn't really hit those heights since. But he has consistently shown, you know, bits and pieces of what you can work with. You know, the, the drive at the end against the Packers was impressive, even if the rest of that game wasn't necessarily great. Every single week you see him drop in a couple of absolute dimes, typically down the sideline, you know, hitting it into that cover two hole, that kind of thing. So we've seen everything every single week. We've seen the things you can work with with Kyle Allen. You just need to see if he can start eliminating the inconsistency and start getting rid of some of the bad because the good stuff is really good. And it is something that you can win games with. You know, we've seen just that first game, when you take away a guy that's been struggling with accuracy, that's been dealing with injuries, and you replace him with a quarterback that's, you know, that's fit and 100% and just accurate, able to deliver the ball where it needs to go, hit his playmakers in stride, it transforms that offense. And Kyle Allen has definitely got the ability to do that. Now, the next thing is, can he do it consistently? Because that's what separates, you know, quarterback prospects from viable starting quarterbacks at this level. 
Sam, I got to tell you, all I heard was that Dave wasted almost a year of college dating a girl he didn't really <laughs> like. That sounds like a total waste of time. There's a lot of things you can do in college. That's a terrible analogy. I mean, a year of your life dating a girl you clearly didn't even like. It was Brutal. Great. Oh, it was great. Brutal. She was fun, man. She was, she was a 31 PFF grade, you know? Not a starter. <laughs> hey, uh, Sam, I want to ask you about the Cowboys, okay? Their offensive line is good. Their receivers are good. Their running back's good. I think this is the best their quarterback's ever played. I think their D-line's pretty good. Their linebackers maybe haven't been great this year, but I know they're good. They've got some good players in the secondary. Like, what, what am I missing here with this Cowboys team? I feel like they should be as good as anybody. Yeah, they should be. I think you're right. I think top to bottom – this is one of the best rosters in the NFL. Uh, I think they're doing some of the right things as well. They are running the game less through Ezekiel Elliott than they used to in the past. More is on Dak Prescott's shoulders, and he's rising to the challenge. He's playing better, as he said, than he ever has before. He's getting the ball to Amari Cooper. He's making bigger plays because of it, and they just haven't put it all together yet. You know, to, other than the Jets, like the Jets game makes no sense whatsoever. But other than the Jets, they've lost to some good teams. You know, the Vikings are should be a contender by the end of the season as well. So I don't think it's all doom and gloom. And a lot of these pieces are kind of, uh, whether it's the pieces or whether it's, um, you know, the, the, the system with Kellen Moore and, and sort of feeling their way there, a lot of it is new. And it just takes a little bit of time to bed in and for everybody to start doing their job consistently. But it's kind of like the Kyle Allen thing. You know, they've shown the ability to do it all. They just need to put it all together and start eliminating the inconsistent bad games that shouldn't be there. Early on this season, a lot of talk about waiting for the Chiefs and the Patriots to play for a trip to the Super Bowl. That narrative has changed quite a bit as now Kansas City is 6-4 and four after losing to the Titans over the weekend. Sam, what is their Achilles heel? It's their defense. You know, that Patrick Mahomes came back. Patrick Mahomes looked great. The offense is legitimately one of the best in the NFL, maybe the best offense in football. But their defense is so bad that it basically eradicates that advantage because it makes any other offense they, they play look like theirs. You know, the, te the Tennessee Titans offense was able to keep pace in a shootout because Kansas City's defense is that bad. And Tennessee does not have a good offense. So every single team the Chiefs are going to play is going to look as good as they do on offense because their defense is that bad. So that's really their problem. They need to figure out a way of getting better on defense, even if it's just slowing down the opposing offense, because the offense that they have, the playmakers that they have, the, you know, the dynamism, Patrick Mahomes, they should be blowing teams out of the water by double-digit points, but they're not able to because the opposition can keep pace, and that's, that's their problem. Sam, I, I have my thoughts on it, but I want yours. How do you explain Falcon Saints, what we saw on Sunday? Like, how does that happen? There is no logical way whatsoever of explaining that, except the metaphor that I came up with on PFF's podcast, which if you've ever seen a dead whale, you know, wash up on a beach and it sits there for a while and it rots in the sun and it, you know, it expands, it gets full of all this noxious gas and then eventually somebody pokes it with a stick and it explodes everywhere. That's basically what happened to the Falcons. This was a team that was rotting in the sun, going nowhere, and the Saints poked it with a stick and boom, it blew up in their face. That's the only way I can think of to describe what happened. <laughs> that is outstanding analogy. We're going to have to tweet that one out. Talking with Sam Monson from Pro Football Focus. I love the grades on the edge defenders, in particular because the top five are dominated by two families, which makes my freaking head explode. Two Bosas <laughs> and two Watts. Two families dominate the top five edge defenders in the greatest game, the greatest talent in the NFL. Who's the best of that bunch and why? And, you know, I'm, I'm so bummed that J.J. Watt got hurt and we're not going to see him, you know, the rest of the year because he was he may not be all the way back to the J.J. Watt we saw when he was the best player in football, but he was pretty close. Like he got really close back to that level. 
Um, and he was leading the league in total pressures by the time he went down. So I think that's a real shame. Honestly, I think even J.J. Watt at sort of 90% of the player he used to be is probably the still, still the best of the group. But, you know, Nick Bosa, this is his first year in the league. He is absolutely dominating right now. Joey Bosa, we know how good he is. And T.J. Watt has come on as well. So right now, I think, you know, a healthy J.J. Watt is the best of that group. But Nick Bosa is the one, I think, to keep an eye on because he's, he's the youngest of the group in terms of playing time. And he's really, you know, dominating so far. Just wanted to follow on that. T.J. Watt is your highest graded of that group. Why? Yeah, and, you know, he's taken a huge step forward as well. His development reminds me a lot of Khalil Max in terms of, you know, a lot of players, they, they hit the ground running in the NFL, but they're good at one thing. Khalil Mack was, was run defense, T.J. Watt as well, similar. Um, then they get the pass rush. That follows. Then they start to generate a, a ton of pressure every single week. It gets consistent. And then the last thing to come is those game-changing plays. It's the strip sacks. It's the fumbles. It's the scoop and score plays. And, you know, it usually takes a couple of years for that to, to really manifest and you to see the best of those guys. And that's what we're seeing this year with T.J. Watt is he's added those impact plays, those game changing, defining um, turnover plays to his game. And that's why his grade is suddenly shot through the roof. Couple of running backs I have to get your thoughts on, Sam. I think this is my last one. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley. It looks like they're kind of going in opposite directions right now. Yeah, I mean, Melvin Gordon is a quality running back. He's, he took a while to get going. I think ultimately he is a product of that Chargers um, environment. And it's a very difficult environment in terms of run blocking. It's not a good offensive line. It's one of the worst in the NFL. So you're going to get games where things look ugly for Melvin Gordon. And then you're going to get games where he's able to break a lot of tackles, generate a lot of his own yardage um, in and of himself. We saw that last year. That was why he was looking for the big deal. So it's, it's possible that he continues a run and looks really good again, but it's a really tough place because of the run blocking in front of him. And then Saquon is kind of the same story. We, we just saw what happens when, you know, a team is able to dominate up front and you have nowhere to go. And pretty much every single run where Saquon Barkley got nothing, it's because he, no, he had no shot. There were guys hitting him at the line of scrimmage, hitting him in the backfield. And, you know, it's definitely possible for running backs to turn those into big gains. Saquon Barkley has done it himself in the past. It's just really hard, and it's certainly really hard to do it consistently. So, you know, ultimately, I think Saquon Barkley was just a victim of, of running up against a defensive front that was prepared for it. Gosh, 13 carries, one yard. Feels like shutting him down wouldn't be a terrible idea, but they're not going to do it. They do have a bye week this week. Two Starbucks lattes, you can get the best football analysis out there. Just 10 bucks a month, pff.com. Follow Sam at pff underscore Sam. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks very much. Thanks, guys. Take it easy. All right, so good discussion there about Lamar Jackson. Uh, and by the way, he was the number one overall graded QB for Week 10 on Pro Football Focus. But, Ross, what got probably the most attention other than that 47-yard video game, B-move, spin-move, and the Heisman package for the 12-yard option was some words on the sideline between Lamar Jackson and his head coach, what feels like a marriage made in football heaven. Here's John Harbaugh to his QB. That's why they, and that's why, that's why they love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I love you too. Yeah, I don't know, but no, I love you. I love the way you play too. You appreciate it. Oh, All right, so maybe I should read it to you because that's hard to understand on the radio. Uh, so what, what John Harbaugh said to his quarterback in a really cool moment on the sideline, you changed the game, man. You know how many little kids in this country are going to be wearing number eight playing quarterback for the next 20 years? What an awesome exchange Jackson responded. I can't wait to see it when I get older, but right now I got to get to the Super Bowl. It is impossible not to root for this young man right now, Ross. Uh, I, I'm loving everything about the Ravens, about John Harbaugh, about Lamar Jackson right now. I think it's so cool. Um, and you know what? I do believe that a decent amount of the success 
for the Ravens offense should go to Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator. But guess what? It's kind of the way it always is, right? I mean, you know, with Joe Montana, a decent amount of that success goes to Bill Walsh, that's for sure. With Tom Brady, a decent amount of that success goes to Bill Belichick and Charlie Weiss and Josh McDaniels. So that's just the way it is. I mean, you don't have high-level success without it being a good marriage of player and scheme. And that's exactly what we have in Baltimore. Kind of crazy to think uh, at this time a year ago, people wanted John Harbaugh fired. I mean, I, I, it looked like it was at the end for John Harbaugh in Baltimore. It's kind of crazy. You know, they, they insert Lamar Jackson in the lineup. And next thing you know, here we are where I have him ranked number one in my power ranking. And you know what? He's exactly right. I bet you right now there are kids already getting Lamar Jackson jerseys, already wearing number eight that want to be NFL quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson. And frankly, it reminds me of Randall Cunningham in the late 80s, early 90s. It reminds me a decade later in the early 2000s of Michael Vick. And here we are 15 years later. He's kind of the next guy that is just so unique, so exciting, so fun to watch, so dynamic that I think a lot of people gravitate to it. And we'll get even more people that want to be quarterbacks because of Lamar Jackson. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking, I I hope he stays healthy because I really want to see what this team does the rest of the year with the healthy Lamar Jackson. I had Russell Wilson as my MVP, and then I dove inside the numbers because I'm a number geek yesterday, and I was swayed. I'm now on the Lamar Jackson column. I mean, he's got more rushing yards than four total teams. Atlanta, Cincinnati, Jets, and Miami. He has more rushing touchdown six than 11 teams in the NFL. He is their leading rusher. The passing has improved. You can't ignore what that team would be without him, his leadership, his playmaking ability. Think he's the MVP right now, but Russell Wilson's made quite a case for it. Interesting stat that Lamar Jackson is actually two and a half weeks younger than the current Heisman Trophy favorite, Joe Burrow, which just reminds you how much he could actually improve. But I just want to flip back to the guy we started this program with. Colin Kaepernick was going to change the game, right? I mean, he was something we had never seen, the way he ran like a deer and had a stronger arm as well, threw rifles down the field. He didn't necessarily change the game. Will Lamar change the way general managers perceive the position and allow others to not have to make that transition to running back in the NFL, Ross? You know, it's a great question, Dave, and you're right. I think in 2012, there was a lot of thought that RG3 and Colin Kaepernick were changing the game. And then what happened was is RG3 wasn't able to stay healthy and teams caught up to the RPO game that the Redskins were running. You know, the zone read and pulling the ball and throwing the slants. Same thing with Colin Kaepernick. He started to get a little bit beat up and he wasn't able to throw it consistently and teams had a better idea, a better plan to stop him. He still in 2013 ran for over 100 yards against the Packers in the playoffs, but he wasn't quite the same that next year. And after that, things started to go south. That is the question, the danger, the dilemma As it relates to Lamar Jackson, I just think that there are more tools in Greg Roman's toolbox and also that Lamar Jackson, I think, has a chance to be a more consistent passer than those guys. But it really will come down to his health and his ability to be this much of a running threat. And we'll see how defenses adjust to some of the stuff Greg Roman's throwing at him. 
Yeah, and and uh, one of our producers, one of the millennials, asked, "Was there a guy that we idolized the way kids are certainly idolizing Lamar Jackson now, buying his jersey, trying to emulate him?" Ross Tucker did not do that because he was a badass. I mean, he knew he was probably going to play in the NFL. Me just a mediocre athlete. So I had to dream about these other players and buy jerseys. When you don't have that much talent, you probably tend to wear more NFL jerseys. So we got an example of who I idolized, and it was John Elway. And this is currently in my basement. It's my uh, tribute to the great John. I have the jersey autograph, the helmet autograph, the football autograph. And that's not even all. Uh, if we can come back out, if you're watching the radio.com app, I've got a Autograph Sports Illustrated, autograph Super Bowl tickets. So perhaps a little obsessive uh, with John Elway. And yes, Ross, I did get to meet him. I was his sideline reporter one year for the Colorado Crush of the Arena Football League. So that was kind of a dream come true moment, getting to work for John Elway and have to uh, get critiques uh, after each sideline reporting performance. Siri? Okay. All right. All right. That's amazing. So first of all, those autographs you have there, okay? How many of those did you purchase? How many of those did you watch John sign it? Well, okay, now now there's a little bit of a story there. My father-in-law is a close friend of his. So he personally had those all autographed. I did not have them autographed uh, with him in my presence, any of them. But I have met him a half a dozen, maybe a dozen times over the years. And in that particular arena football season, saw him uh, before and after each Ooh. game. So, All right. Yeah. And now, next question. I got a bunch here. We're going to be a little late for the break. Next question okay. is, who is your father-in-law that he knows everybody? Everybody, everything you always say, it's like, my father-in-law, my father-in-law, my father-in-law. Who is this guy? All right. All right. Th this is going to sound really bad. Okay, it is bad. Uh, my father-in-law actually flies on John's private plane, probably half a dozen. He, so he pays, he basically rents John's private plane, uh, I don't know, a, a half a dozen, 10 times a year or so. So there's a pretty close uh, relationship between the two. And they competed for years in the car business because John was a car dealer in Colorado. John didn't actually get out and sell cars, but his name was slapped all over car dealerships all over the state. He competed with Dylan Doug, who is my father-in-law. There Dylan you have it. Dylan Doug, I love Dude, I tell you what. Yeah. Car dealers, man, I'm it's, uh, they're so full of shit when they're like, here's the invoice. Dude, every car dealer I know rolls deep, bro. I mean, they roll deep. They're so, oh, here's the dealer invoice. Here's how much we're paying. You're full of shit, dealing, Doug, and all the guys like you. Because I know the guys up in uh, western New York, Fusillo, Chevrolet, it's going to be huge. That dude rocks the private plane. He's like the richest guy I know. Those, yeah. those car dealers, yeah. there is something to do that. But here's the question. What was Elway like as a boss critiquing your sideline reports? Like, you can't just say that and keep moving. I got to know what that was like. He really critiqued all your sideline reports? Like, what was that like? Well, he was, uh, he was actually not that critical. I mean, I was pretty young and pretty green. I was a sports reporter in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time. And I think I probably got that job because of the advertising dollars that came from my father-in-law. So I think he was pretty tame because of that. But I was pretty damn good as a sideline reporter. I like to bring a lot of personality to it, get those colorful fans involved, as I still do some 20 years later. So he was actually pretty chill. And when I saw him just a few weeks ago, saw John on the sidelines of the Colorado football game, he was there scouting talent. He felt a little bit beaten down a little bit from all the criticism that's come his way in Denver as a result of picking bad quarterbacks. So you almost saw a little bit of that swagger, a little bit of that uh, just sheer godly confidence had been reduced a little bit, at least in terms of the public and a, a stadium full of people there on top of him. I mean, he was a god in Colorado and the luster has eh, come off a little bit because of his stint 
as uh, an executive with the Broncos. But a lo- lot well, to get to with the, That's always the danger, right? That's always the danger of doing that. It's why yeah. Peyton Manning is going to really pick his spots. He's going to make sure he has some ownership so that he could never get fired uh, if he's running a team. I mean, yeah, that that is the danger. That is the concern mm-hmm. when you are in a position like that. But that's interesting. I, I that's that's a great story. Yeah, I, I would not do it if I were Peyton Manning either, because he too is revered, and the rumor is, at least in the Colorado media, that he would potentially be the guy to replace John Elway. What a weird sequence of events considering Elway selected him. He won the Super Bowl for him. Uh, but there is a lot of talk about Manning becoming an owner slash executive of the Denver Broncos. Should be fascinating. Who knows? Maybe it's Jeff Bezos, the Amazon owner, according to that reporting from Jason Lockett for Check that out earlier in the 8 o'clock hour. All right, finally, we're going to get to this break. When we come back, more Colin Kaepernick discussion Where could he go? Is this a PR trap? And why has the NFL made me root for A.B. and Colin Kaepernick? And you cheating, Astros. We're not letting you get off the hook. We'll talk some baseball when we come back as well. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 